Now I'm going to go back to this being my second time, so I'm allowed to make some mistakes. And、um, if, when you're going home, your wife or husband says to you, "I can't believe he read that passage,"、um, the other one can say, "Well, it was his second time; he learned." So here it is: it's an incredible passage from the prophet Ezekiel, it's Ezekiel chapter one. I know this sounds weird, but don't try and understand it yet. I'll, I'll try and help you with that later on, and help myself too. Just let it hit you,、um, because it's 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 really out of the ordinary. If you're not yet a Christian, I'm sure you've never heard anything like this.、Um, but here we go. Fasten your seatbelts and hang on. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness all around it, and a fire flashing forth continually. And in the midst of the fire, it was a gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings like this. Their wings touched one another. Each of them went straight forward without turning as they went. And as for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. So were their faces. And their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward, wherever the spirit would go. They went without turning as they went. And as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of them. And as for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming precious translucent stone beryl. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction. Being as it were within a wheel, within a wheel, and when they went, they went in any of four directions without turning as they went. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. And wherever the spirit wanted them to go, they went. And the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When those went, these went, and when those stood, these stood, and when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. We've not even got to the main part yet. <laughs> and over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal, spread out above their heads, and under the expanse of their wings were stretched out straight. One towards another, and each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of crashing waters, like the sound of the Almighty, the sound of a tumult, like the sound of the marching of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings, and there came a voice above the expanse over their heads. And when they stood still, they let down their wings.
And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne. It's appearance like sapphire. And seated above the likeness of the throne was a likeness, this is going to be important, with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the, the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw it was at the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him. Love this now. Like the appearance of the bow that is in the clouds on the day of rain, so was the appearance of his brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the one, the voice of one speaking. The story so far in the first four verses of Ezekiel chapter one is that Ezekiel is 30 years old. And later on in the book, we're going to learn that he's married, but he's not living up in the mountains of Jerusalem by the temple. Instead, he and all the chief citizens of Jerusalem have been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and they've been taken to live out in Babylon. But not to live in Babylon, to live out in the wilderness, in the desert. Um, Archaeologist tells us the, the actual place was a deserted city and it was beside an irrigation canal. Imagine being 30 years old, married and wanting to raise a family and you're living out in the desert seated beside an irrigation canal. And the worst part of it was that the Babylonians paid to, played to their native sphere. The Babylonians said, your God is no good down here in Babylon. He belongs back up in the hills in Jerusalem. And besides, he didn't do so great for you up there, did he? So the question in their mind is, where is God? Is God still relevant for us in the 21st century? Or is that something that belongs to the past? Here I am. Caught in captivity, and where is God? Suddenly, Ezekiel sees this awesome vision. He looks and and he sees a thunderstorm coming up out of the desert. And the thing is that in the middle of the thunderstorm, there there is a, a glowing metal, and it has no source outside of it. It's like the thunderstorm has gone nuclear. And he's totally bewildered, and he's totally overcome. And as we know, that's just the beginning of what he's going to see. Someone um, has said of this passage, there's an overwhelming mysteriousness here. Fearsome awesomeness, transcendent otherness, self-sustaining powerfulness, magnificent omnipotence, and burning holiness. And you might say, Pastor, that sounds pretty impressive, but I still don't get it. That really didn't help me at all. That's the point, isn't it? That God is awesome, that he's overwhelming, he's mysterious, and he's powerful. And we can't nail him down, can we? And so here's our first takeaway. God is awesome, and yet he turns up for us while we have been taken captive and are in exile out in the desert sitting beside an irrigation ditch. You may feel a bit like that this morning, overcome by addictions, concerned about providing for your family, your fears, anxieties taking hold of you. What I want you to know is that God is an awesome, all-consuming thunderstorm coming up out of the desert. And he comes to meet us in our place of exile. 
But then at the heart of the vision, there are four living creatures, aren't there? And the four living creatures have wings that touch each other. And there's the glowing fire in the midst of it, and nothing can penetrate through to it, can they? And they have other, the appearance of human faces, except they've got four faces. One has the appearance of a man, the most intelligent of all creation. The second has the appearance of a lion, the most ferocious of the wild animals. The third has the appearance of an ox, the strongest and most useful of all the domestic animals. And the fourth has the, the appearance of an eagle who can soar free in the skies. And the, the thing about these um, awesome creatures is that, you know, they can see, can't they? All four corners of the earth at the exact same time. They don't even have, the text keeps telling us, they don't even have to turn to look. Because it's not just four of them scanning all four corners, but they've got four faces seeing all four sides anyway. And the thing about them is that they move with such ease. Uh, the, the text tells us each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. And again, and each went forward wherever the spirit would go, they went, and without turning as they went, they just move with absolute and complete freedom. And so here's our second takeaway. God is awesome. He knows what is happening at all times everywhere. And he's not the least bit intimidated by anything. And his servants are there to carry out his will and his pleasing. And they can do it with the greatest of ease. When you and I think the world is out of control, or our lives are out of control, and we're overwhelmed and sitting beside an irrigation ditch, 30 years old and wanting to raise our family, we need to understand God sees everything, God knows everything, and he can move with absolutely the greatest of ease. But then the next thing that Ezekiel sees is wheels, huge wheels, he tells us. I don't know what's the biggest wheels you've ever been up against, but I, I was once down in a bauxite mining area back in Jamaica, and I pulled up beside a, an incredible earth-moving machine. I mean, you're going to think I'm, I'm exaggerating. The wheels were just about, just about up to the ceiling. You know, my mouth dropped over. But the power of that thing. And, and the text literally says, it's translated sort of nicely for us, but the Hebrew actually reads height to them and fear and fear to them. You know, when you saw, saw it, you couldn't believe how big they were. And, and they actually um, induced fear in, in, in them. And it's like when, when we pull up at a stop sign and a pair of, you know, the wheels that guys have now pull up beside us. So we go, wow, look at those wheels. Well, these wheels are not just big. They're like a precious stone. They're translucent. They're awesome. And we're just overcome by the majesty of them all. And the thing about them is, the text tells us, sometimes they weren't even touching the ground. They didn't have, yeah, I mean, wheels are supposed to touch something to move, right? But they didn't have to touch down to move and to go wherever it is where they went. It tells us that the spirit was in the wheels. And wherever the spirit wanted to go, the wheels would go. So here's the third takeaway. God is awesome. Nothing can stop him from moving anywhere he wants to move at any time. He's got wheels, great wheels, awesome wheels. 
And he can move in any direction whenever he wants. And the thing about these wheels is they're powerful wheels. Ezekiel tells us what he sees, but then he tells us what he hears. And he hears, if we could put it this way, the sound of their engines, as it were. He says they sounded like the crashing of of waves against the cliffs on a stormy day. And they sounded like the marching of a mighty army. Now our armies move quietly. But back then, you know, they had boots. And they made a noise when they moved. And the noise was to strike terror into you. And the thing about God is, his wheels are powerful. He can go anywhere he wants them to go. And they can go there because they are so awesomely powerful. And then we're just beginning now to get to the height of the vision. I mean, we've seen wheels and all that sort of thing. But then he looks up and he sees, I see, he says, I see an expanse. It's like a horizon, if you will. And above that expanse, he sees the glory of the Lord. I'm going to read this little section again because there's some really important things in here because the vision is getting more and more important all the time. Over the heads of the living creatures, there was like an expanse shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads and above the expanse over their heads was the likeness of a throne in appearance like a sapphire. And seated above the likeness of the throne was a likeness, here it comes, this is getting more important, a likeness with human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of the fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and there was a brightness all around. And then this beautiful part. Like the appearance of the bow in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the likeness, the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it and I fell on my face, I heard the voice of one speaking. When we see God for who God really is, because you understand our God is way too small. When we see God for who God really is, we fall like Ezekiel did on our knees. And we fall on our knees because when we fear God, there's nothing left to fear. We fall on our knees because suddenly we realize Nebuchadnezzar or alcoholism or whatever it is that is taking us captives, really not that powerful after all, is it? We fall on our knees because everything changes. Not just the powers that would seek to overcome us, but the passions that would seduce us and the things that seem so important in our culture just don't seem that important anymore. Because we've seen the Lord in all of his majestic glory and power and his might. And... Then though something else comes in, and it's not just the expanse of his glory, it's also the expressions of God's grace. And the way that is given to us is that he sees, says he sees one with the likeness of a man, Daniel. You remember Daniel of Lion's Den fame, rose to become a mighty prime minister in Nebuchadnezzar army and um, empire in the same time as Ezekiel. And Daniel tells us the same thing. 
in my vision at night and looked before me and there was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the entrance of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power and all peoples, nations, and, and, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. You know where we're heading, don't you? We're heading to Jesus. You remember what Jesus said? When the Son of Man comes in all of his glory and all of the angels with him, then he will sit on his throne. And there was a time when he took his three best friends, Peter, James, and John, up to a mountain, and we're told that he was transfigured there before them. That what that means is the veil of his humanity was pulled back, as it were, and they could see the glory of the eternal glory of the Son that he had with his Father before all time. And, and, and it is described to us in, in this way, um, is Jesus. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, and they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then he comes down out of the mountain where they've seen his glory. And there's a dad and his little boy down there who need to be healed. And Jesus reaches down and heals him. And so side by side. We have the glory of Jesus before time began. We have the glory and radiance of God that Ezekiel has shown to us. But side by side is the grace and the goodness that comes down from the mountain and reaches down and touches us. It's a thunderstorm that has gone nuclear in all of its power that comes out in the desert to us, to meet us and to greet us and to rescue us. And to help us to stand on our feet once again. And that's the beauty of this passage. I love that little detail, don't you? And there was a radiance around him like a bow in the clouds on a, a radiant day. You know, when, when the storm is all over and we're on, we're glad it's all over. And we look out and we see a rainbow with all of its tenderness and gentleness and its promise that I will destroy the world no more, and we are encouraged and we are strengthened. That is what is like when we put together the glory of God and the grace of God. If we just looked at the glory of God in this vision, we'd be scared and we'd say, I'm out of here. I can't deal with that. On the other hand, if we do what our culture tells us to do, and that is to think of God as a kind of a Santa Claus who is so nice and sweet and gentle and all that. We may as well forget that too because he can't do anything, can he? But when you put together the power of God and the glory of God and the awe in which God is to be held and you put that together with his grace and his goodness and his mercy, then suddenly we understand that we're not stuck out there in the desert by the side of an irrigation canal. He can turn it around just like that. We begin to understand that the struggles which we're facing, which are a part of living, raising our family, making our marriages work, overcoming our fears or anxieties or the addictions that have been taking a hold of us, that these things that have taken us captive 
can melt away when the power and the glory and the awe of God are joined together with his grace and his goodness and he reaches down indeed to touch us. The book of the Hebrews puts this together in the very few first verses. I think he must have been thinking about Ezekiel when when he said this. Long ago and at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he's spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the power of his word. You know that about Jesus? That's how awesome he is. Now comes the gentle part. After making purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in high. This morning, if you want to know the awe and the power and what it's like to have God in your life, then you see we've got to come to Jesus. and We've got to lay down all of our sins before him because he's the one who makes purification for them. And we've got to see him take our sins and place them upon the cross. And then we've got to see him raised on the third day, walking out of the tomb to give you and to give me the power of new life that is in Christ. The Apostle Paul has this wonderful line. I'm I'm sure you've heard it. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You believe that? It's the time to bow before him and to say, I see your glory, I see your power, and I see your might. But also I see your glory and your grace and love. Lord Jesus Take my sins away so that I may not be separated from you. Give me the new life of your resurrection so that I may stand up and live with you and live for you. I want to end with a testimony. That's a personal testimony. It's not going to quite take the shape you think it might. Um, And I didn't actually see it happen, but I know it happened. And it's not something that happened to me once. It's something that's been happening to me all of the time. And it's a mixture of the the power of God when he moves into our lives and the grace of God that he gives us. It's actually from the Psalms. The cords of death entangle me. The torrents of destruction overwhelm me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. I didn't see this, but this is what's happening behind the veil. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and he came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and he flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darknesses covering his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky 
and out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and, and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy, great bolts of lightning, and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed, and the foundations of the earth laid bare. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. This where it gets personal. He reached down from on high, and he took a hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. And guess what? He brought me into a spacious place and he rescued me because for some reason in his grace, he took delight even 